Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. Um, we want to uh, really thank the people at Anchor and encourage you if you are starting your own podcast or currently using uh, another platform in your podcast to uh, try Anchor. Anchor is a terrific platform. We're very, very pleased with their performance and their technology as well as uh, their support. So uh, give it a try. Anchor is a great, great uh, technology and platform, and we're pleased that uh, they are uh, one of our great uh, partners at Blood Time. Thanks for listening, and uh, continue to support us as we will support you with great stories. Thank you. Blood Time the podcast that speaks to the bond, the emotion between coach and athlete at the interscholastic and intercollegiate level. Each interview, each segment will reveal that bond and what was learned, how they were transformed, and what each athlete took to the world at large from that transformation. These stories will warm your heart and astound you all together. Submitted for your approval. Now it is blood time. Welcome to Blood Time. This is Coach Cimarroni. I'm here today with Barry Broom, president of the Sacramento Economics Council and former John Carroll wrestler. I had the opportunity back in the day to coach him, and since then we've been good friends. Barry, thank you so much for being on our show. Happy to be here, Coach. Awesome, man. How you doing? Everything good out in Sacramento? Oh, yeah. Everything's great. I'm down in the Bay Area today in Silicon Valley. I've been meeting with some venture capital groups on some new technologies we're developing, but wow, life's good. All things are going well. Family good? Family's good. Yeah. You know, my wife, Beth, you know, she's sure. Efforted. Absolutely. So, you know, brother John coaches at uh, Lakewood St. Ed's and Jimmy coaches at Illinois, so... Yep. You know, we got a wrestler's mentality here in California. I love it. I love it. We'll give my best to your wife and your children. And I want to get right into what blood time means, Barry. Blood time really is not just the blood time that we have in our sport when you get hurt, but blood time here means the bond between the high school or collegiate athlete and their coach. And I know that you had a great experience in high school being the first state champ from West Jeff right, right outside of Columbus, Ohio. And I know that you had a pretty good uh, opportunity to, to coach at John Carroll and have a good relationship and experience there with not only the coaches, but also the, the guys that you bonded with on the team. But tell me a little bit about what those relationships meant at the high school and college level and how those transformed you. And then what did you do to take that into the real world? Yeah, you know, my, uh, my high school wrestling coach, it was really really interesting because his name is Roger Branham. Yep. He just retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his son won a big school state title at uh, Galloway Westland. Uh, his brother Mike was the second state champ at West Jeff. Yep. And Roger and his brothers all wrestled at Ohio State under Casey. Wow. So, uh, you know, Roger was a much more low-key guy, and he was a disciplinarian. Yep. And, uh, you know, when he came in, uh, and, you know, West Jefferson uh, – you know, my freshman year at West Jefferson was the first year we had a high school wrestling program. I did not so know I'm, that, but that's 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 fascinating. Yeah, so mm. I was actually the team captain at our first match my wow. freshman year because I had wrestled 
two years in the youth program at Bishop Reedy sure. with the old man Dealey and the DeSabato. So I was the only guy that knew what a single leg was. Right. So uh, I immediately got appointed captain my first match. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah, and Roger was, you know, he was a disciplinarian, a teacher. You know, we were all blue-collar kids, west side of Columbus. Right. And a little rough on the edges. And he was a guy that really focused on, you know, discipline on the mat and off. And he did a couple of, uh, you know, he was he was somebody that did a lot for me. I probably haven't thanked him enough in my life. But he was the type of guy that would champion you without you knowing it. Yeah. And so when I went into my senior year and we started talking, you know, back in those days, uh, you know, you had to be the district champ to make it to the state tournament. Right. Sometimes you ran into, you know, a, another state champ and got beat. So even though I was placing – in the top three in the districts, I wasn't qualifying for St. John's Arena, so I had to win it to right. get in. We went into my senior year, and he was like, you know, I, I said, Coach, I said, you know, do you think I can win a state title? He said, yeah, I, I do, but you got to train differently. And, you know, he was one of those old-school coaches, so, you right. know, he started being my training partner. So I had a 26-year-old former Big Ten coach, a Big Ten wrestler, training with me full-time and as you know back in the old days in 79 those guys were going full blow you know you were getting bloody noses and fat lips and i can't you tell know. you how many times i bit my lip i mean i had to have a, a dentist snip part of my lip no part of my tongue because i bit it and i was when i was coaching in reynoldsburg so i know what you're talking about man we went at it <laughs> yeah so you know he'd bring in uh, you know, his brother, Jerry, uh, who uh, was an alternate on the 76 Olympic team. I would yeah. train with Joe East. you got to be a wrestling buff to remember Joe, but he was a two-time Ohio State champ. Out of Grove uh, City, right, or Groveport? Yeah, Which Grove one? City, right. Yep. Yeah, and the sure. badge is pending, you know, one of our John Carroll guys. Right. So, so, you know, he was really hard on me, pushed me really hard, was really physical. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when I won the state championship, you know, one of the things that he said to me after I won it is we were on our way home. He goes, I know you're going to throw a party. He goes, but tomorrow morning, make sure everyone's talking about you being a state champ, not having a party that got out of control. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he didn't let us use foul language. You know, we had to call him Mr. Branham or Coach Branham. Right. And, you know, if, if you said a bad, I always joke, if you said a curse word, he would make you run 10 laps. Sure. And uh, after my freshman year, I was like a cross-country runner. I have <laughs> 150 a... laps after practice because he'd keep track of every time you said a bad word. And one of the things he did for me that was really amazing, and I don't know if his mother and I was in coordination, but you know, I was like a second-tier Division One candidate. You know, I was getting recruited by the MAC schools. Right. And, you know, there wasn't that much difference between John Carroll at that time and a Mid-American Conference team. Uh, and, you know, we held our own against the second-tier Big Ten teams. You remember that? Absolutely. I remember uh, I remember Gallagher giving Anglum everything he could handle. I think he may have beat him. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No question. Yeah, Dan- Danny Stefanson beat Joe Azevedo. Right. I mean, uh, before I started at Carroll, you know, they tied Lehigh in a dual meet when Lehigh was top five in the well, country. Haywald tied uh, Frick, who was a national yeah. title. So, yeah, yeah I remember that very well. Stanford and beat him to death when they were ranked in the top 20 in the U.S. So he comes in one day, and, and I'm getting all these people recruiting me, and he comes in one day, and he hands me the John Carroll a guide and he says, look, you know, you're a good student. Right. And I like this program. And 
I think this is really where you should go. And he explained to me why he thought I should go to John Carroll. Mm-hmm. And then my mom started pushing me to go to John Carroll. Sure. But one of the thing, one of the things that he did that I never thanked him for was he wrote, you know, all of a sudden I had 100, 150 colleges contacting me. He wrote letters to every one of those colleges. He got on the phone and called them directly about me. And he never told me he did that. So one day I was in the office, like the principal's office, just talking to him. Yep. And I caught my name on a letter. I looked down, and I mean, it was like 50 to 100 letters in a stack. Wow. My coach had typed up a letter about me to each one of these coaches, and at no point in time did he ever say, hey, I'm going to really work hard to get you recruited. So you know, he's somebody that you know I have a lot of respect for and gratitude for. And, um, your you first know. That was your first lesson in true humanity and yeah, what coaching and, is and all the about. the humility of it. You sure. Know, that he, he was, he, you know, because sometimes, you know, coaches are funny. You know, you win a state title, you know, they're odd about getting you recruited. There were a lot of program people back then, you know. They right. wanted the program to be well-known. They weren't necessarily so sure they wanted the athlete to be well-known. And, and he really, uh, not only did he get me recruited across the country, teach me the right things, but he also was instrumental in me choosing John Carroll, which uh, worked out. Yes, that's that's great because I tell you what, that's true love. Uh, there's no question about it. Whether he was tough on you or, or what, that that love came through in those letters and how much he really cared about you with true, you know, anonymity. He did it uh, anonymously. And yeah, uh, if, if, yeah. If I wouldn't have been in the principal's office, so I suddenly thought I was, you know, Lee Kemp. You know, I'm getting right. phone calls all right. over the country, and uh, you know, I immediately just thought, wow, you know, I've been found out I'm this amazing athlete and then I went into the principal's office on an unrelated matter and I saw these letters where my coach was sending them out and making follow-up phone calls and was putting packets together on you know my uh on your academic standing I was senior class president all that stuff and I and he never once said anything to me you know when you're a kid you're kind of weird it was awkward I never said anything to him so um you know but that that's the kind of guy he was he ended up having a really successful high school wrestling career as a coach, yep. uh, his fa- family, you know, they had uh, three three state champs in the family, and uh, he's just a great guy. Now that's a beautiful story. So as you transition from that beautiful story, tell us a little bit about the John Carroll experience and how that may have transformed you into the man you are today. Yeah, well, John Carroll was the most transformative experience for me uh, because, you know, if you were – you know, uh, Ohio's very different all around the state, so I was a blue-collar guy. You know, my, my parents had eighth-grade educations. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a teamster at 16. Wow. You know, so I didn't have the St. Ignatius, St. Joe's, you know, Padua High School path to Carroll. Late you know, Catholic, like, even Mayfield Heights yeah, type of mentality, yeah, sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Brother Rice out of Detroit. You right. know, we would get people out of Canavan and right. Central Catholic in Pittsburgh. So, you know, I w- went to a school where – you know, the vast majority of the kids came out of, you know, uh, Catholic schools or prep schools. And, you know, they were much more oriented to what it was like to go to John Carroll than I was. Right. And, you know, I rolled in, uh, I think with a T, you know, I think when I got recruited, I had a, a t-shirt that said Schlitz. <laughs> well, we were both a little odd because I came from Beechwood, which clearly was not definitely the situation at John Carroll. So, right. I feel I had a, I had a Jimi Hendrix afro. I love it. You know, the, 
Yeah. The stuff that Coach DiCarlo really loved. <laughs> <laughs> you were so, definitely his poster boy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, you know, I think one of the things that I did most for Coach DiCarlo was agitate him yeah. uh, and kept him in a semi-agitated state. Yeah, and the fam- it's the famous Mustang story, correct? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> So the, yeah, so the great thing, yeah. So like, you know, and so when I was in college, you know, college, or high school kids would do weird stuff, right? right. So I had like a, a Billy Jack black hat and oh I had this leather fringed jacket <laughs> and we were traveling to Pennsylvania, I think to wrestle like Clarion. Oh my. And, and uh, you know, I show up with like a leather moccasin boots with this fringe coat on and a Billy Jack hat. And right. I step on the bus, and, you know, DiCardo had you traveling in a blazer, khakis, and a right. collared shirt. Right out of St. Ignatius' playbook, no question about it. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. so I got on the bus, the bus, and Coach looked at me, and he goes, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's he awesome. He me by the hand, yes. walked into the athletic dorm, or the athletic department, took me down in the basement, and found these, you know, 1964 JCU wrestling blue blazers, found one that fit me dumped the jacket, dumped the hat, you know, put on this, he found a John Carroll sweater, made me change shirts, walked me back on the bus and dropped me on it and took me there. And it was probably the first time I really uh, was around uh, a coach in a program that was first class. Right. You know, uh, the one thing about Coach DiCarlo, everything he did was first class. No doubt. Uh, He could have been a CEO of a major corporation, no question about it. No, no question. I mean, our wrestling room was better than Ohio State's. Yep. So, you know, he had we had better facilities at John Carroll than really all the Mac schools, with the exception of maybe Miami, and most of, and probably half the Division One programs, you know. Well, he set up the archetypical program in regards to the coaching staff, because he really wasn't that great of a technician, but boy, he brought in great technicians and let them do their job, and he was just the guy. He was the CEO. Yeah, he was the he was a program coach. You know, yep, he, yep. He built the brand. He built the reputation. Right. And you know, we you know, like if you look, think of a small college team that has like fifty five wrestlers on their team. You Amazing. Know, he would we would be three or four deep in each weight, and and the key thing, you know, he he, he was the first business person I met. And, you know, you could watch everything he did. You know, he was a he was a excellent father. He was an excellent husband. He took his responsibility at John Carroll very seriously. How you handled yourself off the mat, how you handled yourself in the class. And if you did something goofy on a Saturday night, you can bet, you know, Monday morning you were going to be in his office trying to explain to him what you were doing on a Saturday night. Right. You know, and that was including the off season. Right. And, uh, and I knew all that because I would spend a lot of time in his office on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> I and, get that. And, uh, I get that. Yeah. And as yeah, and, and as he, and as he progressed, obviously he went on to be the football and athletic football coach, athletic director, and then of course the entire complex is named after him. So you can't you cannot hit it more on the head there, Barry. Yeah, and look at the guys that he coached. Yes, you know, they're all running the NFL. Yes, exactly right. It's amazing. Yeah, somebody yeah somebody should have done a deeper story on that because here's a guy and and you know he had a hundred percent graduation rate all the years that he wrestled. Yes, he had. 100% graduation rate for the kids that wrestled for him four years. And I won't mention the guy's name, but you may know this. There was a Carroll wrestler that was a multiple All-American national champ that was a couple credit, couple classes short of his degree. Yes. And 
and DiCarlo would not let him in the Hall of Fame until he finished it. I don't know if you know that story or not. I do, I do. I had the opportunity to chat with Kerry Volkman about that. So yeah, uh, yeah. So this guy's like, why am I not in the Hall of Fame? And DiCarlo's like, because you're a couple credit. I mean, guy's like 45 years old. Right. And Go DiCarlo's get your degree. Like, if you, yeah. If you don't take the two classes, that's your business. But you're not going to be in the Hall of Fame. And I think those were those were the kind of things that you learned from him. That I mean, I mean, I, I can tell you right now. I still use everything he taught me today to be successful right now. I mean, I'm, I'm winning today because of things uh, Tony DiCarlo taught me. Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Cimarroni Couture. We have a Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's special that we'd love to present to you guys. Buy one suit at $10.95 or higher and get one at 50% off now until January 2nd. Or buy one entry-level suit at $7.95 and get a shirt for free. Check us out at Cimarroni Couture. That's Cimarroni Couture, 
So we were going and we were wrestling um, in western Pennsylvania. You know, we used to get in the damn cold vans, right? right? You know, leave at six in the morning and drive four hours to get matches with the western PA teams, whether it was a, you know, a Pitt Johnstown or whether it was a Slippery Rock, somebody like that. You know, the kind of Division One Double A team. Sometimes it was small college like Teal and Allegheny. Right. And so we were uh, we were traveling to to wrestle. Um, about four hours into Pennsylvania. Yep. And we had an honor weigh-in. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. So the trainer, the coach, and the assistant coach would watch you weigh in. Right. So it was about six in the morning to weigh in. And then when you got to weigh in, you, you could go grab something at Denny's or whatever, get on the road, and you could eat a little bit and let it digest. And if you had a mat at, match at one or three or whatever, you know, you didn't have to suffer a four-hour bus ride you know, 10 degree weather right. all sucked out. Right. So we go in, so we go in the way in, right. The gym, it's, the gym is turned off, you know, it's freezing in the gym, right. it's freezing in the locker room and you strip down and I get on the scale and I might've been an eighth of the pound over. Right. And it was six in the morning. So I was like one fifty eight eighth of a pound. Yep. There was even some dispute on whether you know, it was one of those deals where the yep. bar was just touching the top of the weight. Yep. And I look at him and he looks at me and I'm standing there, right? You're exhaling. Yeah. You know, you're doing everything you can. <laughs> standing on you your know, head, so, whatever you can. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. And he right. looks at me and he goes, uh, I think you're over. Yes. And I said, coach, it's an eighth of a pound. Yes. I said, it's six in the morning on a Sunday. The gym's 25 degrees because we weren't in school yet. Right. And I said, are you kidding me? Right. And he said, yeah, get on your stuff and run. Yeah. So yeah. I get off this scale. The gym's, you know, you can see your breath in the gym. Right. Right. You're yeah. sucking weight. Right. It's an honor weigh-in. Yep. I put on sweats and everything. And I run for 45 minutes before I break a sweat, right? Right. And then after I break a sweat, then I run for another 15 minutes because the worst thing you do is put wet clothes back on when it's 25 degrees right. and go in and take my stuff off and make weight and be a half or three quarters of a pound under. Yep. I'll never forget that because sure. it, it wouldn't have been cheating, I think, to give me an eighth of a pound, right. but you didn't make weight and an eighth of a pound meant an eighth of a pound. And he made me run that off. And I always remember that, you know, from an ethics standpoint on, you know, it was an honor way in and, you know. He honored the sport. He honored the sport, Barry. He honored the sport. The sport was not big. We were not bigger than the sport. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He was, so he was, you know, he was a great. And the other thing he did, you know, when you, when you wrestled for him, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, and this would be considered harsh today. And I'll tell you one more story than then sure. talk some more. But, you know, it, he used to have a saying, you produce or I reduce. Do you remember right. that saying? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, he, did all, he was really good to us. I mean, he helped us find summer jobs. If you were struggling with financial aid, you know, if you needed help with academics, he'd send you a tutor. He'd go talk to a priest for you. You yes. know, so we always had. Uh, you know, we always said, you know, I worked in the steel mills, you know, he gets right. you in the mills, you know, good summer jobs you needed to save money to go through school. And, you know, he was always a, a, a really good champion of you as a person. Always in your corner. Oh, he was. He was always in your corner. Right. You know, but that doesn't mean he wasn't going to be hard on you 
hold you completely accountable at every second of the way, but he was going to be in your corner. So um, when I graduated from college and I got my first corporate job and I worked four years in the Fortune 500 world right out of college, Mm -hmm. I got sent to one of those, you know, executive training programs. And there was about 60 of us there, all like 22, 23 years old. And they gave us the old, you know, look to the left, look to the right. Right. Only one of us is going to survive this. So they told us at this training center that in six months we're dropping 40 of you and we're only going to keep 20 of you with the company. Right. So we go through this little day training and everything's great. And then afterwards, you know, we went to a bar to have a drink before dinner. And I go to this bar to have a drink, you know, in a perfectly good mood. And all these guys got these long faces. Right. And I walked up to him. I was like, hey, what, what's wrong with you, man? Yeah. And he goes, didn't you hear what he said? And I went, no, what did he say? Like, what was it that made you upset? Right. He said, they're only going to keep 20 of us and there's 60 of us here. They're going to get four. They're going to get rid of 40 of us. And I can remember thinking, one, one of the 20. So I guess I'll just have a drink, you know, exactly. it, didn't dawn on me. <laughs> it didn't dawn on me that I was going to be one of the 40. I never even thought for a second yep. I wasn't going to stick, but that was also how DiCarlo did things. You know, it was like, Hey, yeah, you'd come back a returning conference champ, win the National Catholic. He'd go out and get a two-time state runner-up from Illinois in your weight and drop him right in on you. Absolutely. And, and it used to, you know, upset you like, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm the returning starter. You know, right. I had a good year, and you went out and go, you went out and recruited. You know, and what was in those days, you know, coach got anybody, anybody that took second or third in the state in Ohio, you know, they were on their way to John Carroll. Sure. And, you know, if they came out of Mentor, you know, they were pretty tough kids. No doubt. And you'd, you'd show up and there'd be, you know, you, you know, two freshmen that won 40 matches in high school and, you know, one transfer in that was, you know, sure. won 30 matches Division two, and you'd put it in your weight and you'd start the season with five or six guys in your weight. And you'd have to wrestle off and wrestle off and wrestle off and wrestle off. Hey, I had to, I had to, wrestle, I had to referee the Viviani uh, Marty Joseph match. That was not pretty. And John yeah. John Viviani was not happy, or Viano yeah. was not happy. Yeah. So yeah, John was happened. fifteen and one. Right, right. I mean, how many guys are fifteen and one and they're not in the lineup? Exactly. And then Marty takes second in the nation. So it proved, yeah, you right. know, proved so to Carlo. That's the way it worked back in those days, you know, and we had guys, you know, um, I can't remember the kid from Bayville, Del Kreps. Sure. He was tough as nails. He couldn't get in the lineup at John Curry. Transfers to Ohio State, places in the Big Ten, and I think he was a captain at Ohio State. Yes, he was. Absolutely. Yeah, a great kid, too, yeah. and a real success story, and probably would have won a couple of national titles at Carroll. He was that good, but that was kind of the way it was. We, I remember we had a kid that transferred in uh, who was a junior college All-American, he couldn't make the weight. He went to Washington State and, you know, qualified for the uh, Division One Nationals sure. uh, coming out of the out of the Pac-10. So he stacked those weights deep, created tons of competition, right. had very intense expectations. Absolutely. And, well, you 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 used to re- didn't you wrestle off John Gramuglia all the time? I think I refereed yeah, a few yeah. of those matches. And, yeah, absolutely. Hall of Famer yeah, from right. Wadsworth. Yeah, a lot of good, a lot of good. And Grumooks was a coach on the team too, so right. I haven't busted Grumooks chops in a long time. But, you know, <laughs> well, I'm was, sure you'll hear this. <laughs> he was a senior and I was a freshman, and I'll just say some of the tips that Coach Grumooks gave me will stay in the locker room. Having said all that, so now you're out in the, I mean, deep into the corporate world. Now, when you walk into a corporate structure like a boardroom. 
Um, what is that? What do you feel like? Because I've, I've interviewed other guys, and they say that they know that they're a wrestler, and that just gives them always a leg up. Yeah, I always, you know, I, you know, the one thing that even now, like people, people describe me as a wrestler. This mm-hmm. deep into my career, this, this, you know, long away, thirty-five years, right. thirty-four years since the last time, you know, I competed at Carroll. And, and the big thing that I think wrestling does for me is, you know, it, the, the level of preparation right. that I take into a room is unbelievable. I'm, I'm always the most prepared person in the room. Right. And then I think the mindset, because, you know, if you think about a big match, right? So, you know, I lost uh, in criteria back, you know, they didn't let us go into o- double overtime. Right. If you remember, I lost in criteria in overtime in the quarterfinals of the Nationals, sure which did. kept me from being an All-American. I sure do remember that. I was coaching. Yeah. I coached that yeah. match. Yep. Yeah, yep. you did coach that match. Yep. And then, you know, I lost by a point. So I, I had a criteria loss my junior year and lost by a point my senior year, both times keeping me from being two-time All-Americans. There's actually, and you know, and to be honest with you, that still motivates me today. Love I mean, it. it's not like... My kids tease me and say, I think you're hung up, but I'm really not hung up. I just reflect on, on how simple and close, you know, you know, you know, hand control, right? Uh, right. You know, you didn't step deep enough on your shot. You, know, right. you didn't quite follow through enough. Well, that's the difference between you being a two-time All-American and not an All-American at all. Right. And so that is always something that's in my mind. So when I go into a boardroom, I'm the most prepared and I'm also the most confident. I mean, I think the other thing too mm-hmm. is, you know, when you're sitting in between those matches and big tournaments and you got two or three hours, you know, how do you talk to yourself in those two or three hours? Right. You know, what is the tape that's playing in your head? And when I've got like a board meeting, I have four board meetings a year with 40 CEOs. I walk into those board meetings like I'm in the finals of the nationals every time. Gotcha. That's that's beautiful. That's a beautiful yeah, level thing. of preparation, and then when I go in, I you know I always you know bring the swag. You sure, know? absolutely, no question about it. Well, Barry, it has been a fantastic conversation. I, I really appreciate and, and and thankful that you're able to do this. The the one thing that I want to uh, leave the audience with is one word or thought or philosophy that really resonated with you since literally the first day at John Carroll to today, what, what would that be? Integrity. Always mm-hmm. operate with integrity. You, you know, it's, it's, I always tell people, and I've developed a lot of young talents. You've even developed several CEOs. Right. I always tell people, if you outwork everybody you know and you outwork them with integrity, success is guaranteed it's just a matter of time it's just a matter of time and you know the one thing you can never come back from if you think about all the talented people in the world right you know it's 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 nearly impossible to come back from violating or losing your integrity you can run a company into the ground you can blow a big deal you can take a loss you can even get fired and come back from that honorably as long as you didn't compromise your integrity that is a beautiful sentiment. I am so pleased that that was the, the message you left us with, Barry. I want to thank you so much. Continued success. It has been my honor to have you as a friend for these 35-plus years. Continued success in Sacramento and in California. And uh, 
look forward to talking to you again, but thanks again, Barry. Hey, Coach, thanks for everything you did for me, too, and all oh. the kids at Carroll and what you've done at Beachwood and what you're doing now. I really appreciate it. It's been my honor, Barry. Thanks again. We'll talk soon. Okay, Pete, thanks. This is Blood Time. We are blood. I want to leave you with this thought of the day. Arrogance is born in the shadows and walks with fear. Confidence is of light and brings love, self-love, to the world.